If you've had babies or you're preparing to have one, you know one of the very trickiest things to do is figure out how to get your baby to sleep through the night. So today I'm sharing an interview that I did with Jess Hudson of Sleep Shop Consulting based here in Orange County, all about her best tips and tricks for getting babies to sleep. Jess reached out to me when I posted on Instagram about Harry going through a four-month sleep regression in the form of a several-day-in-a-row nap strike, and her tips magically helped Harry take naps again and transition out of the swaddle and gave everyone in our house back the sanity of a consistent schedule. So after she helped me, I invited her to come on the podcast and share some of her knowledge with all of you. We talked through a ton of your questions that were submitted through my DMs and some of the basics she teaches each of her clients that she works with and where she and I both believe the most important fundamental start with encouraging your baby to sleep all night long. Today, I am so excited to introduce you guys to a new friend of mine who I've just enjoyed so much getting to know, and she's amazing, and her name is Jess, and she's with Sleep Shop Consulting, and we are going to talk all about babies and sleep today, and I'm so excited, so say hi, Jess. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thanks so much for being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into having a passion for helping parents with their babies sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was super organically. I um, I had my first baby nearly 10 years ago. And um, when I did, I was an a, a event producer, so very like kept things under control, fixed problems, very type A. Um, so when I had my first baby, I was just thrown for a loop. I had horrible postpartum mm. anxiety, um, which at the time, like didn't even right. know it was a thing. You know, it, it was like the mom blog days and nobody blogged about that. They blogged about postpartum depression, but so it was so hard. I finally found help. And the thing the doctors kept saying to me is like, you need sleep, you need yes. sleep, you need sleep. You know, say that about depression and anxiety. And you're like, I have a newborn. What? I mean, that's like telling someone, I, it's just crazy. Right. Like, you know, so I, being kind of like a researcher at heart, like I wanted to understand that, like one, why I needed that sleep. And then two, um, how to get that for my baby. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did a ton of research. I read the books. I, um, then quickly, you know, with my second learn, there's no one baby mm -hmm. that's like, um, so I kind of started to create this hybrid program, um, and just started helping friends and friends of friends. And then a while back, I met Melissa Brown, who was the founder of sleep mm -hmm. shop. And she's like, Jess, you need to come work with us. You know, business is growing. And so I joined Melissa and her team and it's just been amazing. Like, it's so cool to help moms. Um, and it's not just about sleep, you know, it's just like being there for another mom. You know, I have three kids, um, our whole team together, we have like nearly 25 oh, wow. kids and have been through a little bit of everything. Yeah. So, um, I just love that opportunity to help moms and it, it, honestly doesn't feel like a job. So to awesome. Me, so. That's yeah, so great. Yeah. And, and I totally agree with you that it's been really interesting this time around. So I just had Harry five months ago and 
got hit with postpartum depression this time around harder than I ever have. And that is the number one thing that my doctor and my therapist and anyone I've tried to work with has told me, you need to prioritize your own health and wellness and you need to prioritize sleep. And it is super hard when you first have a newborn. Totally. Yeah. It's nearly impossible. But then once you kind of dig in and you learn about sleep Mm -hmm. and the benefits of it, like both for babies and adults, it is amazing. Like what your body does while you're, and that's why I became so passionate about it, like for a health and wellness piece of it. Um, not just because I wanted to sleep or whatever, but, um, what it gave my babies and the brain and body development that happens while they're asleep is so so important. So I'm, you're passionate about the health side of it too. And it's interesting. We have um, a new nanny that started helping our family and she was saying, Oh, Harry's such a happy baby. And Millie's so happy. And, and she was asking me, why do you think that is? And I told her, I think it's because they get really good sleep. I think, I think that, you know, babies who sleep a ton and are getting the proper amount of sleep are really happy when they're awake. That's been my experience. I mean, I know that's not universal. I know there are colicky babies. I know there are like lots of different. Yeah. But you also know why they are. Why mine are happy. um, Yeah. So if they are crying or they are unhappy, you can, it's so much easier to kind of like diagnose Mm -hmm. it because they're in a good routine, they're sleeping well, you know, okay, if they're fussy, like, okay, they must be in pain or they yeah. must be hungry. Um, because yeah, they've gotten the so sleep true. They so let's start with, um, if you were talking to a first time mom, like I, my cute little sister-in-law is about to have a baby any day now. Well, not any day now. She's got a couple weeks left, but, um, and I'm so excited for her. What do you tell someone that, you know, you know, you're just that first time mom advice. So I would say, um, don't read too much. Don't, <laughs> you know, don't do too much because every baby's so different. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the kind of the basics that, that I tell moms and I do start with some moms, you know, when they're still pregnant, I just had a call this week with a mom, she's still pregnant and it's even her third baby, but she's like, I want to do it right this time. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know, the main things you want for the nursery are, you know, a, a dark, dark room, white noise, and like that safe sleep environment, which would include for a newborn, a swaddle. So you want those kind of three key things. And also then a room that's like 68 to 72 degrees. So a lot of times, especially for first time moms, we'll make it too warm thinking the baby's cold, 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 but it's actually better to have it cooler. So I talk about those things and then really starting off, um, not too stressed out about a schedule, but starting right off the bat with nice full feedings. Um, kind of getting into that feeding routine is something you can start with from day one. Okay. Um, what a lot of people ask, you know, like, what can I start right away? Or when can I sleep train? And like, that's one thing you can start from day one. Of course, there's going to be times where you're like cluster feeding in the evening. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that gross spurt that's like, you feel like you're just like nonstop feeding and that that's normal. But generally like, you know, having the baby eat every two to three hours, always feed the baby when they're hungry, but getting in a, in a routine where you're doing full feed. So in the middle yes. of the night, taking the time, even though it's so hard to really keep baby awake, keep yourself awake mm-hmm. to get that full feeding in, um, so that they start to stretch. So they take in more and more and then can sleep longer. Um, totally. so those are the key things. And then also there's some tips for just, you know, kind of flipping those days and nights 
Um, so things like, you know, not letting them sleep for any longer than two hours at a time during the day, getting some sunlight, um, or even just house light, having it nice and light during the day. And then, mm. you know, dim and dark in the evening to help them. Cause they're born without a circadian rhythm. So you kind of have to help them to develop that. Okay. Um, so those are kind of like the three key things, like the sleep environment, the feeds, and then helping flip days and nights. Yes. And I totally made that mistake with Annabelle, not understanding, the full feed thing. And I was snack feeding her all night long for the first few weeks. And I remember at four weeks, I was like, I am going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm feeding this baby once an hour, every hour, all night long. And she would just eat a little and fall asleep and then wake up and cry and eat a little and fall asleep. And so I had to figure that out. How to... So if they fall asleep, you're like, oh, I can go to sleep. But yeah. I, I literally remember like slapping myself. Okay, no, like take the time, <laughs> yeah. get the full feed in, maximize it. So that's why I say like any feed you're doing, maximize it, you know, mm-hmm. tickle their you know, pump the arm, whatever you have to do to make the most of it so that they can start to stretch those periods in between, which will, you know, result in that longer stretch of sleep. Okay. Such great advice. Um, I feel like with my four babies and, and I just want to totally say that I, I want to just go back and forth with you of this has been my experience, but you're the expert. So what's your experience? But for me, I have felt like we've had pretty good success with getting our kids to sleep through the night because of the daytime schedule. And usually when I talk to my friends about sleep and they're like, how do you get your babies to sleep? And I, I always say the daytime schedule sets up the nighttime schedule. But what do you think about that? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. There are some babies I will go in and like do the sleep training for them, for example, mm-hmm. but I will not do it. We do. It's like three days and three nights. We will never do it where we're just there for the night because the day such a huge part in it. Like the mm-hmm. wake windows, feeds, all of that, it sets them up for success. That's, you know, for the night. So you want to make sure they have everything they need and mm-hmm. that, yeah, exactly right. The day is dictates the night and it's huge. Yeah. I just feel like with my babies, if they kind of get into a rhythm where they understand, okay, this is about when my body wakes up and I usually eat and then I kind of hang out for a little bit and then I go right back down. Um, another thing that I feel like every time I have a newborn, it's shocking to me how much sleep they need. So how much sleep does a newborn really need during the so day? Newborn, it is totally normal. And I know cause you forget, right? I remember mm-hmm. I, I forget, and then I'm like, I'm like, wait, this isn't right. So they can, literally be up just for like 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> in between, you know, a feed and a nap. And that's totally okay. You know, once they're a month old, they need, you know, 14 to 17 hours, you know, in a 24 hour period in the beginning, it can be closer to 20 and that's, you know, totally okay. The key is just, you know, kind of breaking that up during the day. So they start mm-hmm. to understand the difference between day and night, but yes, totally normal, you know, feed them, even if they're awake for five minutes and then go right back to sleep, that's totally normal. Yeah. I remember feeling with each baby, like, I feel like I barely saw you. Like I got you up, I fed you. And then I'm, you're, you're hanging out for 15 minutes before you go back down. It feels like sometimes. Yeah. Especially with the more kids you have. I remember the joke was always like, where's Charlie? That was my second. (laughs) Because you know, you're like juggling all these kids and it's like the baby's so easy. They're just sleeping. And you're like, (laughs) they really do sleep like all day. And I feel like some first time moms that will talk to me, you know, just friends that will say like, I feel like I'm trying to keep them awake more during the day. And then it's, it's not helping and they're up all night. And it's almost like 
that can backfire, right? Totally. So that's where like wake windows are so important because you want the wake window long enough that sleep pressure is high enough going into that nap or nighttime sleep, but you want it short enough that they are um, not going down overly tired because an overly tired baby, mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to fall asleep. It's like your, your body goes into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So it's like the adrenaline is released and they're kind of like wired. That's where like you see like, you know, a toddler and they're up too late and they're wired and they're like, oh, they don't look tired, but they are, they're overly tired. Yes. So even harder for them to fall asleep. So that whole like, um, you know, we talked this week on my Instagram account about like advice from um, older relatives mm-hmm. and a lot of people said, uh, oh, just keep the baby awake all day and then they'll sleep all night. <laughs> but it's literally the opposite. Yes. So sleep to get sleep, it's about finding that sweet spot and the age appropriate wake window. So for a brand new baby, what's like a pretty typical, what a schedule would look like for a, for a mom who's like, well, what is that even going to look like? You know, in the very beginning, like those first four weeks, it's literally just, like I said, that feeding schedule. Mm-hmm. So keep them, keep them awake a little bit let them take a nap, but wake them. Don't let them sleep more than two hours at time. And that's just to help develop that circadian rhythm. So, you know, waking them up after a couple hours and, you know, plenty of light, plenty of sunlight, all of that. Once they get closer to a month old, then you'll want to like work on kind of stretching that wake window to about an hour. Sometimes it's less. A lot of times in the morning, they're a little bit sleepier and that's okay. Um, So you always want to do, you know, like you said, a feed, wake, sleep routine Mm -hmm. and start that as early on as you can. And that's a great way to get started too and lay the foundation. So feed, a little bit of wake time, and then a nap and repeat throughout the day. Um, And that's a great way to get started and like gently ease them into good sleep, which is like what we like to do for sure. Right. So when you're saying a wake window of an hour, you're talking about from the minute you pick them up and Mm -hmm. you start feeding them and then until the time they go back down to sleep, not necessarily like you feed them and then you hang out with them for another hour after they're done eating. You know, in the beginning, sometimes feeding them can take a good half hour, 45 minutes. So yeah, it's from the time you start the feed to the time they go down for the next nap. Okay. Good yeah, thing so to clarify. You can literally just have like five minutes with them. Awake yeah. there that are like, you know, I, I had, so then like I have five minutes of awake and then I put them back down. Yeah. But it's, it's crazy. it does stretch very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It, Millie of all my kids too, she was a 45 minute eater and I, it would just take forever. It was like, we couldn't go anywhere because <laughs> yeah. yeah. she just took so long to sleep, but, um, I mean yeah. to eat, sorry, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And then she, I, she was a funny kid trying to get her to sleep. Like when I, I just remember having to try so many things because I would give her a dream feed and maybe we should talk about what that is. And Mm -hmm. if I tried to do it a little earlier, she would wake up twice in the middle of the night instead of just once. And even when she dropped that late night feeding, if I tried to move her dream feed earlier, then she'd wake up earlier in the morning and she was very, like she wanted it at like 11 or 1130 at night, she was just such a funny particular baby. And that's where like the, every baby is not the same comes in. But let's talk about dream feeds for a minute. Cause that's something that, you know, a few people asked about and do you believe in that? And what's, what's the benefit of that? Um, so dream feeds are so funny. Um, they are, beneficial for some and for others, they're not. So it's one of those kind of 
sleep training techniques that, that doesn't work for every baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so a dream feed is a parent directed feed. So what's good about that is it's easier to get rid of. So typically we would do it kind of between 10 and 11 PM. So it's mm-hmm. something you would implement later on because when they're tiny newborns, they're already going to bed pretty late. Yeah. Um, so you would implement that and between 10 and 11, you scoop them up, you feed them while sometimes while they're still asleep mm-hmm. and then put them right back down. Um, for some babies, it does help get them a longer stretch of sleep. For some babies, it pulls them out of a deep sleep because between oh. 10 and 2 is like your deepest stage of sleep. So it can pull them out of that. So maybe with Millie, what was happening is if you did a little bit earlier, it was just like she has these you know, sleep cycles that are very mm-hmm. regular and it may have just been pulling her out at the wrong time. So, um, so it's, you know, it's really, it's 50, 50. Um, and then I also go based on the parent. So for me, I'm in bed early. So mm-hmm. for me, set an alarm and feed was such a pain and I, it didn't yeah. make it easier on me. And I have a client right now with a two month old, I actually have three that have two, two month olds right now, two are doing the dream feed. One is not because for her, she goes to bed early mm-hmm. and it's just not helpful. So it's about what works for the baby, but also what works for the mom too. Yeah. So, you know, it needs to be something where you're up anyway. So, um, but yeah, it can really help. And then you can um, drop it once they're regularly sleeping through the night. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. So let's talk about the four month regression. Cause that's when I contacted you because Harry did something that none of my babies have done. And that was just this nap strike where he just decided at about, he was just shy of four months for a few weeks there. He was just like, no, I'm not going to nap anymore. I would either put him down and he'd cry or he'd fall asleep for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then wake up and cry. And I was like, I'm going to go crazy. I know he needs naps and I just can't sit and listen to him cry. But then when I pick him up, it's teaching him that if he cries, that I'll pick him up. And I just was like, oh my gosh, what do we do? So, and I know that that happens to a lot of parents with nighttime, Mm -hmm. even though it happened with Harry during the day, it's just a super common thing. So let's talk about four month regression. Yeah. Yeah. So that is when I tend to hear from a lot of families. So you can have a baby who sleeps great, especially because they're that newborn sleepy, Mm -hmm. you know, my baby was a great sleeper and then four months hit and I don't know what happened. Um, So at four months, your baby changes from infant sleep cycles to like more like adult sleep cycles. So it's literally a change in the way they sleep. Mm -hmm. So if you don't address it, it's not like one that just goes away. So it's more of a change than a regression. Some regressions, you know, you just have to, you know, wait it out and it'll go away. So, um, is, and it also can sometimes hit nights but not naps or naps, but not nights. Mm -hmm. And the good thing about the four month regression is like developmentally, they're ready to learn independent sleep. So they're old enough. It's a great time to just do it. I'll have some parents say, Oh, let's wait and start after the four month regression. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like this is, this is when you want to do it. The time. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is where there's like a fork in the road and either you have a baby who learns sleep and does great Mm-hmm. Or you have a three-year-old who's still up in the middle of the night, you know, so it's a great time to decide which path you want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's also like that whole period from like three to six, I mean, really three years, there's so much development going on. So you're going to have all these leaps 
and teething and different things going on. And if they don't have that independent sleep skill, it's going to affect them so much more, you know, so if they're a strong sleeper, like I had three kids, none of them woke from teething, um, because they already had that sleep skill. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to wake from little things like that if they don't have that. Um, so yeah, so it is, it's definitely a change. It is a thing. Um, but it's, but it's something that can be fixed really easily. So what's your advice to what's, what do you typically do to help parents who are in that? Oh my gosh, they won't sleep anymore. And they were sleeping so great. What's your general advice or things that you do? If they haven't been taught that skill, which a lot of people have just kind of lucked out until that point, Mm -hmm. that's where we would come in and teach that skill. So, you know, putting the plan in place, um, and you saw, you know, it includes the feeds, the daytime schedule, the sleep environment, making sure all those things are in place first, Mm -hmm. because then baby has everything he or she needs and then implementing some sort of sleep training technique. So there's a million, um, and it's about finding the right fit for you as a parent, um, because especially at the four month regression and through other regressions and leaps, babies need consistency. So the, the method you choose is less important. What's most important is that you're comfortable with it so that you'll be consistent. Okay. So that's where like working with a sleep consultant, you are able to find the best fit and even Mm -hmm. kind of adjust along the way, you know, making little tweaks here and there makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's about making sure all those pieces are in place and then getting down to it and teaching that. question and I was like that is a really good way to put it someone said at what point do you give up on a nap and you're like okay they're just not gonna sleep I need to get them so up. It, it depends on age if your baby is um before five months you would help them um so babies developmentally sometimes can't regulate naps until closer to five months mm-hmm. um so you do want to make sure they're getting in that day sleep So I would say, keep doing what you can to help them get that sleep. If it means wearing them, if it means rocking them to sleep, that's okay. I think people um, put too much pressure on themselves with naps or they have unrealistic expectations. So I would say like, first, like kind of like managing your expectation is important. Mm -hmm. Um, At six months and up, if they're just not going down, um, then you can get them up for 15, 20 minutes and then try again. Um, that's an option too, but I would never say to completely give up on a nap because you want to make sure then they're not awake. It's just going to get harder and harder. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what happened to us where it was like, okay, he's just not going to nap. Let's get him up. We'll try again in a couple of hours. And then it just kind of became like a pattern of, yeah, he cries. And then we're like, Hey, how long is this going (laughs) to, is how long can he keep this up? Yeah. And so there's ways to, you know, extend the nap. And that's what I work with families on is, you know, there's, there's that 30 minute, 45 minute nap. And it's just kind of about extending that to get it to that hour mark so that it's restorative sleep. Um, and so when they're younger, under five months, you may need to, you know, help them a little bit more and that's okay. You know, holding them for the rest of the nap, wearing them for the rest of the nap, all of those things are totally okay. And not going to mess baby up at all. Okay. Um, what are some of what are some of the other common things that 
parents ask you that you help people with the most? So I would say the four month regression mm-hmm. naps we've covered. Those are the two key things. Um, when can I start sleep training is another okay. key one. Like I mentioned, you know, like starting early encourages, you know, a very gentle way of doing it. Yep. Um, people ask about, you know, specific wake windows for different ages. And I would say, um, there's a lot out there right now about wake windows. It's kind of like a, I, I don't even think people talked about that when I had babies, but, um, don't get hung up on what the chart says, because just like, you know, we've talked, every baby is so different and mm-hmm. I can have a three month old that's ready for a 90 minute wake window. And some that are still just need an hour and that's okay. Like it's about, you know, kind of like following the rules, but also like really getting to know your baby yeah. and finding what works for you and not being too worried about what, you know, that Instagram post said, because mm-hmm. each baby is so, so different, you know, families, I say, okay, like put Google away, just do this because not any one of them is right or wrong. You know, it's about picking one method and picking one way and sticking to it. Because I think that's one of the biggest mistakes I find families make is jumping around and, you know, well, I tried that. Okay. What for one night or Mm -hmm. for five nights, you know, because nothing's going to work immediately. And that's a huge thing to like understand, um, transitioning from the swaddle to the sleep sack. Oh, well I tried it, but he didn't like it. Okay. Well, how long did you try it for? You know, of course, any adjustment, like they're human too. They don't like change. They, mm-hmm. We just don't, we don't like it. Totally. It makes us grumpy and they will be grumpy for a period of time. So I always say, give anything three to five nights before you, you know, dismiss it. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, super good advice. It's, it's like that jumping around. That's so hard on the baby and it, it's never going to work the first time. I mean, if something worked the first time, I mean, those people would be gazillionaires, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I work with a woman who has a certain sleep sack, you know, and she'll get, uh, you know, emails and stuff. Well, I tried it last night and it didn't work. My baby didn't sleep through the night. And, she, and I'm like, yeah, if you could invent a sleep sack that made your baby sleep through the night, the first time, like that would be incredible, but it's just not, that's just not how it works. Yeah, so. totally. So speaking of that's a transition that I'm just kind of staring in the face. I know we need to transition uh, Harry out of the swaddle, but he loves the swaddle. I mean, he's like every other baby where he kind of, as soon as I put him in it, he kind of starts to cry a little like, no, don't put me down. But he sleeps so well in it that, um, and my parents always joke, especially my dad, cause they didn't swaddle, you know, back in my parents days, he's always like, that looks like a straight jacket, but mm-hmm. I love the swaddle and I'm kind of attached to it. And I always get really sad when it's time to take it away. But what is your advice? Like, first of all, when's the best time and then how, how to smoothly transition from the swaddle to a sleep sack? Yeah. 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 So, um, my second baby had, was getting plagiocephaly, the, you know, like kind of flat spot and mm-hmm. had torticollis, which is like where like the one side of the neck is tight. So we did occupational therapy really early on. Okay. Kind of prevent that, the helmet and all of that. And what I learned from the occupational therapist, like has helped me so much with, with this topic, um, because I had Charlie in my middle, like swaddled to an unusually late age because he wasn't a roller. My kids are slow on the like physical development. So, mm-hmm. um, she said, you know, babies actually do a ton of their physical development in their sleep. 
So you notice, you know, even when they're swaddled, sometimes if they're old enough, they start out at the one end of the crib and they end up at the other end. Yes. So it's because their bodies are doing so much development, Mm -hmm. even in their sleep. So it's really important that they are given that freedom and that ability because it can inhibit that development a little bit. Okay. Nothing to be like afraid of, but just something to keep in the back of your mind is like, okay, this is right. Like, this is good. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, you always want to do it for sure when they're showing signs of rolling, you know, okay. especially if there's signs of rolling in their swaddle, you know, a lot of babies will kind of start turning on their sides. Um, so anytime that's for sure you want to do it. And then if they're not, then I would say at some point between three and a half and four and a half months, you would want to do it. Okay. Um, there are, I, I just turned five months yesterday. I'm like, I know, Oh, I know. Okay. And, I mean, you know, there are some, you know, a lot of people are using the snoo and that says, you know, keep them in that snoo on their backs till six months. So you have to find what's right for you and also talk to your pediatrician about it. Mm-hmm. But between three and a half and four and a half months, it's a good time for them. Um, also because of the four month mark, they can developmentally learn how to like self-soothe and stuff better. So okay. having that freedom, like think about you being flat on your back and not being able to move around at night. To that find would a make me crazy. Yeah. Right. So it's that three to five night thing again, initially it can be hard, but as they figure it out, it gives them so much more freedom to sleep on their side, sleep on their tummy, you know, put their hand in their mouth, do those types of things. Okay. And that's so helpful with sleep. Um, yeah. So it, it, I know it's just sort of one of those transitions. I think people fear more than they need to. The other thing you can do to make the transition a lot easier is giving them tons of tummy time, floor time during weight mm-hmm. windows. Um, help them strengthen those muscles and kind of get used to maneuvering around so that they can more easily do it in the crib. And it's also a great way to like kind of wear them out before naps and bedtime. Yeah. Okay. Such good advice. We have been doing a lot more tummy time since I started working with you and Harry loves it. Like he hated it at first and now he's liking it so much more. It really is so important. I know it's so, (laughs) yeah, it's hard. It's hard to remember. It's hard to do, but um, yeah, it it does make a really big difference for sure. Okay. I want to kind of just get into some of these random questions that I got on my Instagram yesterday. Yeah. So so what about, I got so many variations of this and a little bit goes to the, like when well, I don't even know if that's true. I was going to say it goes a little bit to when can you start sleep training, but that's not actually true with this. I got mm-hmm. so many different variations and I've heard my my own friends say this, like my baby's still 18 months. My baby's still two years old. I, my baby's three years old. My my kids are however old and they still won't sleep through the night. So what do you, mm-hmm. what do you tell people who come to you? So there are people that. that say, um, is it too late? Did I, did I mess up? Is it too late? And that like breaks my heart. So I like always want moms to know, like you didn't do anything wrong. Nobody has done it or they'll say I messed up my baby or I, and I like, it breaks my heart because we're all doing the best we can with what we know. Right. Yes. And you'll look back, you know, I look back on my first, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, why didn't I, you know, why didn't I appreciate that? Or why didn't I, you know, but you can't do that. You're just, it's not going to go away, <laughs> you know? So yeah you're doing the best you can with what you have. And so they're loved and that's the most important thing. So, um, you can always improve sleep habits. It doesn't matter how old they are. Um, we have a great toddler expert. Her name is Megan. Um, and her Instagram account has so much information on it. I think she's, Oh, I need to go follow it. 
Oh my gosh. I think she's answered something like 800 questions. I don't know in her highlights. So she has a great, um, guide too, as well for toddlers. Toddlers are different beasts. Like once your baby usually kind of like past the eight, nine month mark, sometimes the protests, the tears, it becomes more like uh, behavior modification, which mm-hmm. is so different than, you know, like the developmental stuff. So, um, knowing that, understanding that, um, giving them ways to feel in control, like asking them questions, you know, do you want these pajamas or these pajamas? Like questions you're fine with either answer to is a mm-hmm. great way, but, um, it's not too late at all. It just requires a different type of training. Um, but it's all such good stuff and it applies to so much more than just bedtime for toddlers. So it's, it's a great thing to learn and they can do it and they need it. There are, um, so many kids being misdiagnosed with ADHD Mm. because the symptoms of that and being tired are so similar. Interesting. Right. Think about it. When you're exhausted, you like have a hard time paying attention. You're grumpy. Yeah. Grumpy. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, acting out, you know, all those things. So these kids need that sleep so much. Like it's the only time their bodies grow. It's, they need that restoration. So, um, so yeah, it's never too late and there are some great methods out there to help for sure. Okay. Um, this was an interesting question. What is your advice or what is your opinion on melatonin and kids? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that it's something that you should talk to your doctor about for sure. Like anything I, think that you, with anything, you need to start as you mean to go on. So, Hmm. um, it's, it is a hormone your body produces. So Mm -hmm. instead of giving them melatonin, I would say do things to help their body produce it on their own. So things like sleep cues. So sleep cue can be as simple as the same sleep sack each night, saying the same phrase each night, like it's night, night time. I love you babies hearing or even you know small infants like hearing those words each night like right before naps and right before bed it triggers their brain oh it's sleep time which then helps the brain you know release the melatonin and helps them fall asleep so the white noise the dark room even for naps like the super dark room those types of things um so help them help their body do what it naturally can do on its own first I'm not going to say I've never given my kid melatonin. Like we're on vacation (laughs) and we are, you know, it's like in a crazy sleep environment and whatnot. Yes. Sometimes it can be appropriate if used, you know, along with pediatrician guidance. Yeah. It can definitely backfire though. My oldest, uh, Annabelle, when, and we would just reserve it for like being out of town, being out of the comfort zone. And we gave her melatonin a couple of times when she was probably three or four years old and she had night terrors Yeah, and she had never had them before. And then she never had them after except or unless we had given her melatonin. So I, I discovered with her that she was super sensitive to it. Now she can, now she's almost eight years old and she can handle it. But when she was younger, it was the only time I had seen her do that. And it was terrifying to me to see her. Totally. Totally. Or some screaming, freaking out. And they wake up you know, even my husband, if he take, you know, like he'll fall asleep, but then he wakes up in the middle of the night and then can't fall back asleep. So, um, 
yeah, I, I would just be careful. And it's so interesting, like, you know, back in the day, it was Benadryl instead. And yeah. my old, like, he has the reverse reaction to Benadryl. Thank goodness we, like, tried it before on an airplane. You know, the <laughs> people was like, try it first. And, like, he yeah. was, like, standing in his crib. He was, like, a monster. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, like, anytime you can, just help the body naturally do what it's able to do. Yes. Well, and in fact, Neil is going to take my girls on a camp out tonight. And I was telling him yesterday, okay, you need to plan an activity for right after they get home from school, like a nice long bike ride or go on a hike or do something that's going to wear them out so that tomorrow night, they're not just so wound up and they haven't gotten enough energy out that they don't sleep all night. And I was like, it's up to you. You, You're the one that's going to have to sleep with them in a tent all night long. But I would highly recommend doing something very physical all afternoon so that they get nice and worn out. Yeah. And that's great advice, even for babies, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as early as six months. So the morning nap is your brain nap. And then your afternoon nap is your body nap. So doing sort of like brain stimulating activities in the morning can help with that morning nap. And then physical activity, you know, even if it's just the tummy time, crawling around, going for a walk, those types of things really help with the afternoon nap and with bedtime. Okay. So That's awesome. Advice. Of that helps. So someone asked about climbing out of the crib, which is always like the worst parenting really moment like, of my life. When that happens, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I'm now my life is over. <laughs> I mean, that's dramatic, but it's so a that's tough like, yeah. transition. It, that, and, and that's what I tell people. They're like, Oh, do I really need to use the sleep sack? And I'm like, yes, do it. I promise it will help you think sleep training is hard. Wait till you have a baby crawl out of the crib. It's so, um, one thing you can do to help, like I said, is like do the sleep sack from the get go from the second you transition out of the swaddle, do that. It mm-hmm. prevents them. It, you know, they can't swing their leg over. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard all these, you know, lowering the mattress to the floor. That said, once your baby is climbing out, it's a safety issue. Yes. Um, so then it is time for a toddler bed. Um, ideally, you want to keep your baby in the crib until as close to three as possible. Um, but sometimes it does happen sooner. And that's, you know, when you make that transition. My um, older two girls, right at 18 months, they figured that out, even with a sleep sack. Oh, yeah. It was that's rough. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, a crib keeps them contained. Yes. Um, so the, but then you just kind of, transition their room almost into a giant crib, you know, like mm-hmm. safety wise, um, all of those things. So it's, it's a tough one. So if you can avoid it, do, if not, then it is a safety issue and, and there's not much you can do. Yeah. You know, beyond that point. So yeah, that's a hard one. Um, okay. Let's see. Oh, someone asked, I thought this was a really interesting question. And I have had friends ask this too. What about kids who have autism or sensory issues? Do you have anything that you guys typically recommend for parents who are um, struggling with kids who have, you know, special needs like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that um, all kids, especially probably those kids thrive with structure and routine. So that's even when they need it most. Um, so all of those things, you know, kind of even being as structured as you are with like an infant, as far as your routine, knowing what to expect, you know, all of those things can help all of those things that help with producing the melatonin naturally. Yeah. That, um, I think those help a lot with children in that situation, but also kids, going through any kind of change or development, 
or regression, that's when they need that structure most, you know, and, and they thrive on it. And, um, it's so, so important and can make the biggest difference in keeping that regression short and helping them through that leap. You know, they're learning so much and growing so much so fast. And it's like, so crazy to them. The world is just, you know, exploding. So giving them those boundaries and everything just makes them feel secure and can help so much. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I got a few of these questions, how to break up with nursing to sleep. That's not how everyone phrased it, but just my, my baby wants to be nursed to sleep. It's so hard to Mm -hmm. not want to nurse them to go to sleep. And how do I stop that? I, I, that's been something that I've worked so hard at with all my babies. So I've never personally dealt with that because I just have always been so such a stickler about the, um, eat, play, sleep thing. Yeah. Right from the get go. But I will say that, um, but it's super common, right? Super common. And every mom I've worked with to kind of undo that, Mm -hmm. it has been, they have anticipated it being much harder than it actually is. It's more, oh. a, I, 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 they are almost needing, you know, emotionally, they, mm-hmm. they, so you have these, you know, hormones, all of it. So, um, here's what I tell them is, you know, you can start some, like just ease into it. If you want, yeah. put baby down more and more awake each time. Um, the reason that you do an eat, wake, sleep, and you don't feed to sleep, whether it's a bottle or nursing is a baby who is tired will not eat as well. So, um, so when they're nursing to sleep, not only is baby not like getting as much as they should, they're using that as the way to fall asleep. So then they wake up between sleep cycles and they're looking for what initially put them to sleep. So it's the same as rocking to sleep or, anything like that. I've had a lot of people recently who bounce on a ball, you know, the big exercise balls, it yeah. seems to be a very uh, common thing now. So, um, it's the same thing. So, um, it is hard, but just try shifting it up, you know, or just start your day nursing, you know, first thing in the morning mm-hmm. when they wake up. Um, and then this also just helps them kind of stretch those feeds too, and take in more at each feed, um, do your wake window and then go down for a nap right when they get up from that nap, stay in the room, stay in the nursery where it's like dark and quiet and they're kind of even groggy and nurse them right there. Um, that way they're not distracted. They'll take in a full feed, um, and just kind of start that pattern. You just have to start fresh one day. Um, if they seem hungry before a nap, it's totally okay. Like top them off if you need to just keep them awake while they're feeding and then break up that time between the feed and putting them down for the nap, you know, sing a song, read a book, and then lay them down for the nap. Um, but it, it's, it is important just for them to learn that independent sleep skill, but also to make sure that they're getting enough to eat. Yeah. Super helpful advice. Yeah. Thank yeah. And babies that. really do so like, you'd be amazed at how quickly they adjust. Okay. Um, do you have any advice for twin moms? I have a, one of the girls that, uh, used to be on our team asked that question, anything in all things twins. <laughs> so for her, for Mackenzie, this one's for you. I wanted oh, to make sure I asked that question. Uh, well, congratulations. And twin moms are amazing. Melissa, the sleep shop founder, she has twins and, Oh, um, how cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and my friend, um, Jen, that led me to you guys, yeah. she has the twins, Romy and yeah. Piper, who you guys helped yeah. with. Yeah. 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 So, um, so when I actually just did a post on this this week, so there's, um, 
So right away, start them on the same schedule. So you do want to keep them in the same routine. Always know that they are two individual babies. They are going to be different. There's usually a lead twin. Um, and one baby will probably need more sleep or need to go down sooner. And that's okay. Um, but start them off on the same feeding routine. And that can really help kind of get them into the same rhythm. Even if baby, you know, baby one seems hungry at the two hour mark, go ahead and feed baby one and baby two, um, just to get them into that routine. Um, like I said, one may have need a shorter wake window and that's okay. So put one down first, get some QT with baby two and then put them down. And it's a great way to ensure, you know, to get that one-on-one time, um, And then just kind of knowing, I think that they will do better than you think together. You know, everyone's worried about them waking each other, but you have to know, like from the time they were conceived, they were together and, you know, noises and being together. So you'd be amazed, even if you're sleep training a baby and then you have a toddler in the other room in the middle of the night, like you will be amazed what they can actually sleep through. So, you know, but doing things like having a white noise machine next to each crib, that can help too. Um, all those types of things. Um, and then sometimes twins, like for nap training, maybe they need to be separated into different rooms because it's lighter sleep. It's a little bit harder, but Mm -hmm. always try to do it in the same room. Um, especially nights. Um, and just kind of, yeah, knowing that each baby is, is a little bit different, but getting them as much on the same schedule as possible will help. Okay. Awesome. I could have talked to you for three more hours because it's so, I love talking about babies and sleep training and all of this. And there were so many questions, but uh, we have to wrap up because we like to keep these interviews to where moms or dads can actually listen to the whole thing. So, so I have one last question for you that I always ask. And that is if there's one message that the parent listening to this remembers, what do you want that one message to be? Um, I want you to know that like that each baby is so, so different and each family is so different. So when you're seeing these other moms and these other families and these other babies, just know that each is so, so unique and what each family needs is so unique and that's okay. And, um, to just trust your gut, trust the process, um, and enjoy the time that you're having with your baby and, yeah, just knowing that each one is different and it's okay. And to not let that comparison ruin your time with your little one. Beautiful answer. Thank you so much for that. And thanks so much for spending all of that time just, you know, answering all my questions and telling me all these really helpful things and sharing that with all the other moms and dads who will listen to this. So where can people find you if they want to work with you and they want to, you know, get help for their kids, their babies? Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said, I answer a ton of questions and give a ton of advice on Instagram and that's at Jess underscore sleep shop. Um, and then our website, like I said, sleep shop consulting is sleepshoposc.com. Um, so we have tons of resources, different options and yeah, I'd love to connect and answer more questions. Okay. Awesome. We will link to all of those in the show notes too. So thanks again, Jess. Love it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.